He is a way maker. He is worthy of our praise, of our honor, of our attention, of our sacrifice, of our lives. I ask you to take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. And you're going, hold it. We're doing Exodus. We are still doing Exodus. But Malachi chapter 3. We're going to go to verse 8 here in just a few moments. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1,106 in that pew Bible. Let me also mention to you about that pew Bible. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible of your own and there's a pew Bible there in front of you, I would love for you not only to take it and turn to Malachi chapter 3 this morning, I would like you to take it home with you. I would like you to write your name in the front of it and count it as your Bible, and I'd like you to spend time in it every single day studying God's Word. If you need a Bible, you take a Bible. We'll get more Bibles. Church, we cannot spend enough time in God's Word. So I pray that if you don't have a Bible, now if you do have a Bible, then don't take that one. Just find yours and open it up and read it every day. But do not allow yourself to go through another day without a Bible. And if you're online and you're going, I don't have a Bible, if you'll reach out to the church office in the morning, we'll change that. Church, I don't know what I just did, but we just committed to putting the word in people's hands. So whatever we just did, it's the right thing. Amen? All right. Malachi chapter 3, I will be there in just a minute. This morning, we review commandment number 8. Now, this week, we, we, we bite off four more words through the book of Exodus. We are, just, we are just rushing through this. I have loved studying the Ten Commandments. God has put a perspective on me in studying them that I hadn't seen before. He continues to teach me. And Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, I'm going to tell you those four words, but that's in Commandment number eight, you shall not steal. Now, this commandment seems to be very straightforward. Stealing is defined as to take another person's property without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. Church, can I tell you that stealing is a problem? I have reviewed and have here in front of me, I I went and took the last five days of our local paper and I cut it out and I highlighted and I circled and I underlined and I was looking for just one thing. I was looking for all the mentions, all the statements, all the arrests related to stealing just in our own newspaper over the last five days. And I'll tell you that there were 26 different arrests made over the last five days of newspapers. So that could be more than five days, but there's 26 ones because I've, I've read about them all and I, I wanted to share some things with you. I read this one. I won't tell you what day, and you may have read this also. It says, a wallet was stolen from a truck at a gas pump at Speedway on Madison Street. Around 1 a.m. Saturday, the owner told police he was inside the store at the time. So I looked at this, and I'm going, you know, it's bad to have somebody steal your wallet. But here's a challenge, church. If you're going to a gas station and you're going to go inside for some reason, I would think it would be to pay for your gas or to buy something else, take your wallet with you. 
or lock your truck, right? But somebody stole that. Here's another one. It says, charges have been filed against a woman accused of stealing a safe containing several thousand dollars. I guess they didn't know how to get in it, so they just decided to take the whole thing. They took a safe. Now, I don't know. Obviously, they have found this person, and they've opened it, and they found out what was in it. Found another one. This one made me mad just a little bit. Think about this one. A bicycle was stolen from the front porch of a street name home while its owner was in school. Between 7 a.m. and 1.15 p.m. Tuesday, police said. The bike is a red dynamite wipeout with a rusty chain. Somebody stole a kid's bike. Doesn't that bother you? I got up this morning, and Angela keeps up with the social media aspect of our lives, but she read online where there were some uh, break-ins over at the horse show grounds. And one horse show ground said that somebody broke into somebody's RV or trailer or camper or something and stole two puppies. Oh, my goodness, you guys got more wrapped up over puppies than you did the poor little boy's bike. Church, can I tell you that stealing, it just sounds, when I read this, it sounds just bad. But the word stealing takes on so many different forms. So I looked up synonyms for the word steal. You know, we have figured out how not to steal in life. We just give it different names. Like we borrow things, right? So I looked up these synonyms or words that mean the same as the word steal, and I saw over 40 of them, and I could share all of them with you. There were many, many more. I just want to share with you 10. I forced myself just to pick out 10. Let me just share with you these words that are synonyms for the word steal. To divert, which means to send a different way. To defraud, which I mentioned last week, is to deprive someone of an opportunity. To abscond, fancy word, means to sneakily try to do this and get away. To pocket, to take, to cheat. Here's a fancy one, to purloin. I know what it means. It's a synonym of steal. It means steal, purloin, shoplift. A more current day term for it is to boost. And then I found this one, a British term for it, to nick, N-I-C-K. To nick someone is to steal from them. And all of these words are stealing. And God says, don't do it. Don't cheat on your test or your taxes. Don't give less than your best effort at anything. Don't take longer breaks and longer lunches than you are given. Don't take office supplies. Don't take anything that is not yours. Also, schemes and scams, they are a major way of life for many in this world. I chatted with a person this week who had their identity stolen. Someone is seeking to act like them. Church, can I tell you that stealing is more than an action? It's an attitude. It's a heart issue. 
So Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, commandment number eight says, you shall not steal. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So I ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from Malachi chapter three, and we'll read verses eight through 12. Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 12. Malachi chapter three, beginning in verse eight says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now keep your scripture open. You may take your seat. We're going to take just a few minutes to talk about this. Did you notice that God's word gave us yet another synonym for the word steal? And Exodus 20, 15 says, you shall not steal, and God gave us another synonym. Do you see there? He gave us the word rob. Verse 8, Scripture says, God says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, I, I think some, taking somebody's bike is wrong. Obviously, by your response, you think taking somebody's puppy is really wrong. Yeah. They're taking somebody's safe, I read someplace where somebody had two water hoses stolen this week. Some things just aren't worth it. But church, can I tell you that of all the things, it makes no sense to me to seek to rob God. But God says in his word right now, will a man try to rob God? You have robbed me. Now, if you read the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi is a really good book. I read the whole thing this week. I want to encourage you to read the whole thing this week. But the book of Malachi is like a God brings a question and the people go, what are you talking about? We don't do that. And then God provides the proof that says that they do. And that's how Malachi is being worked out here. And so the people, they hear this strong accusation from God where God says, you have robbed me. And the people go, how have we robbed you? I'm seeing who reaches for it. <laughs> Somebody reach for it, please. <laughs> and if you're online, there's a cell phone going off in the room. And it's not even 11 a.m. See, I hear you at 11 a.m. You make your phone make some noise as, as if you're trying to tell me, Jeff, time's up. But it's only 10.35, there's a clock on the back wall, it's still time. Don't you steal time from God. And the people say, God, in verse 8, how have we robbed you? And God says clearly to them, by not giving your tithes and offerings. And right now, I understand why everybody is not here. Because you're going, oh, no, we're talking about the tithe. And that very aspect, of, let me tell you, I love talking about the tithe. Not because I'm a pastor. 
I love talking about the tithe because it's God's word. And so we get an opportunity today to talk about this, and God says, by not giving your tithes and your offerings, tithing literally means a tenth, 10%. God commanded his people to give a tenth part of all that he has given them back to him as an act of faith. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Matthew, Hebrews, it's all there. Tithing is supported by Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 and taught in other New Testament books. Jesus makes giving our tithe, like every other thing in our lives, a matter of our heart based upon our relationship with God. Tithing's first mention in Scripture was in Genesis chapter 14 when Abraham gave a tithe to God's priest, Melchizedek, and Scripture teaches us that Jesus is in the line of Melchizedek, and so by giving our tithe, we are honoring and doing what God has called for, but do you know that the first tithe was a voluntary gift because of who God was, because of his faithfulness, because of his blessings, it was a gift given, not required, not asked for, but given. Because Abraham had already said, God, whatever you want, whatever you do, I'm with you. And God tells the people through Malachi that they have robbed him, that they have not given their tithes and their offerings. Now, I'd like to stop here for just a moment and make sure that we're all in agreement on a few things. It's important that we're all in agreement on these things. There are many faithful and obedient givers here at First Baptist Church. But there are also many who do not give at all or who do not scripturally give a tithe. That's not a statement that I have proven to be fact. It's just a statement that I can reasonably know to be true. Also, First Baptist Church is financially healthy and getting stronger. And I believe it's because as we learn to trust God more each day. But church, can I tell you that God has many things he desires for us to do, some of which we know and some of which he is yet to tell us what he wants us to do, but he expects us to be faithfully preparing and seeking him for that. But I believe that we as a church may not be ready for the things that God wants to do because we are not giving to the potential of which God has given us. Because you see in Scripture, God is the one who gives all to us, and he asks us by faith to obediently answer him with giving a tenth of that back. I've said for years and years that churches that have financial problems really have spiritual problems. But I don't want to let us off the hook, First Baptist, because just the fact that we are strong financially, that doesn't mean that we are giving at the potential that God has given us. We need to obey faithfully what God has told us to do. You can see our financial updates every week. We email our prayer list out, and on the back of our prayer list, we try to be as transparent as we can about everything that we do, and you see a financial update on there every week. Also, you can come to our fourth Wednesday, yeah, fourth Wednesday nights of the month where we spend time in a business meeting, and we talk about it in even more detail. 
So I want you to know as your pastor, I don't come before you preaching because we need money. I come before you preaching about tithing because it is God's word, that it is God's request of us, his expectation of us, his command of us. But it's also God's way of blessing us. And I get to come before you and say that God is good. You know, people don't like talking about money, especially when you start talking about their giving or their lack of it. But let me remind us of a couple of things. God does not need my money nor yours. Acts chapter 17, verse 25 says this, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, all breath, and all things. Church, we need to recognize that the very breath we have is a gift from God, and he expects us to give it back to him. The talents that we're given are from God. The gifts that we are given are from God, and he expects us to give it back to him. And we need to recognize that everything we have to support ourselves, God expects us to give back to him, and one of the ways is by giving a tithe and an offering. Tithing is a biblical mandate and a command of God. Tithing is at first a heart issue. Tithing is a blessing from God that we're getting ready to read about, talk about, given to you that opens up the floodgates of heaven. Can I tell you this? Tithing is good for you. So let's talk about this for a second. Look at verse 9 in Malachi chapter 3. God has already told them, you have robbed me by not giving your tithes and your offerings. And he goes on in verse 9, he says, you are cursed. Now we have to tie that in. He says, because of your failure to give your tithes and offerings, you are cursed. Now I'd like to assign you some homework. That's why I wanted to make sure everybody has their own Bible, even if it's one that you take from this sanctuary this morning. I want to assign you some homework. If you're a note taker, you might want to write down Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're not turning there, but I want to encourage you to go and read it this week or read it today. I did. Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy as he wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote these from God to the people of Israel, to God's people. So he wrote them then to Israel and now to us. Now, if you were to take me up on my homework assignment and go and read the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, you would find in the first 14 verses that God details out very clearly of blessings that he promises to all who will obey his voice. It's an incredible chapter. And God says, what you do will be blessed, your health will be blessed, your gardens will be blessed, your children will be blessed. It just goes on out there. God says, if you seek me and do all that I command you to do, you will be blessed. But then, church, picking up in verse 15 through 68, the rest of this, God details the curses that he will bring upon his people when they do not obey him seek him, and allow him to be Lord of their life. Curses that will overtake his people. Read it. God promises great blessings to us as we seek him fully. Now, also look at verse 9. It says that you have robbed me, and we know this is with your tithes and offerings, 
even this whole nation. Now, I did a little bit of research, and you know, you could look at this one of a couple of ways, but I think the way that spiritually makes the most sense for us to read this, God says, you have robbed me by not giving your tithes and offerings, comma, you have robbed the church. You have robbed your people by not giving your tithes and offerings. It makes complete sense. God has told us everything that we do. Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He directly ties in loving God with loving others. And here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 9, it says, you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Not only have you robbed me, but when you do not give your tithes and your offerings correctly, you rob those around you when you are not diligently obedient to all that I have commanded you, God says. Think of it this way. Most of the time, we see tithing as a cost. It's an expense. It's something we grieve over, something we are challenged with, something that we struggle with. And I'm really thankful that the Lord taught me a great lesson about tithing when I was young because I recognize right now, if you're going, I just came to know Jesus recently. And now you're telling me I'm supposed to give a tenth of my income. I don't know how I'm going to figure that out. Hang with me. God will show you from his word. But think about it this way. Instead of seeing it as a cost, have you ever stopped to think that the tithe, 10%, is a, as a blessing that God has given to you? Think of it that way. We're getting ready to open up scripture and talk about that. Have you ever stopped to think of the tithe as a blessing that God gives to you that blesses others? You should. You should see it exactly that way because that's how God sees it. Look at verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. God requires all the tithes. Now, I want to spend this a couple of different ways to make sure that we get the full understanding. I believe that God expects everybody to give their tithe. Nobody's excluded. That's what it says, all the tithes. Also, I believe that God expects us to give a fully obedient tenth as our tithe. Everybody, 10%. All the tithes. A partial tithe would be partially obedient, which we all know that partial obedience is absolutely disobedience. We get that, right? So God says, if you want to be in line with me, if you want to see what I'm getting ready to do, what I can do in your life, if you want to go see the blessings, Deuteronomy chapter 28, and what we're getting ready to talk about in Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse. Scripture defines it as God's house, the church. And God promises when we faithfully bring before him our tithes that he will do four fantastically great, awesome things in our lives. And I want to share those things with you for just the next few minutes. If we will bring our full ties to the Lord. God will do these four things in response. Number one, look at verse 10. It says, there will be bread in my house. 
Church, I'd like you to see that as God will meet your immediate needs. Now, I can testify to the fact, as many of you can, if we had a tithing testimony time, how faithful God has been when we gave, even when when we didn't have it to gave. Yeah, Angela's not here. She's listening online. I'll hear about that one when I get home. But you guys get the point, right? But one of the ways God blesses us is he says, I'll meet your needs, your basic needs. There will be bread in my house. That means that there's going to be bread within your four walls. God will take care of you as you prioritize him, number one, and are obedient to him as part of that to give your tithe. God will take care of you. Your immediate needs will be met. But church, let me also tell you what happens. We have people contact this church all the time wanting us to help meet their needs. Do you know what happens when we as a church give faithfully? We have more money to which to help people with. And I know that you're a fan of that. I speak with you enough to know that you want to see us helping and taking care of other people. Amen? Meeting immediate needs. We can't fully meet immediate needs in your house or in our community if we are not faithfully giving what God has called us to give. Now, many of you have inquired, what can we do to help in Waverly? If we were here on Wednesday night, I would have shared with the church online and in the room what we've already done. But I went ahead being your pastor, knowing your heart. I reached out to First Baptist Church Waverly. I didn't work through all the processes. I went straight to the core. They don't have a lot of damage, but they have a lot of need to help in their community. They sent me back a list. I immediately dispatched a couple of people from the office, and I said, go buy a dozen of everything that they put on that list and we shipped it to them. But in also talking to the church, I didn't have to ask them, do you have a financial need? I know they're gonna have a financial need because people in their community have needs that need to be met that are immediate needs. And so we sent a check. I spoke to stewardship chairman, and I said, here's what God's laid on my heart. And church, we mailed a $5,000 check this week to the church for them to put into their benevolent fund for them to meet needs. And I'm not sure we're done yet, but that was a good start. But let me tell you what happens. We can meet more immediate needs in Bedford County or whatever county that's in, and every place in between, if you will, but trust God with your tithes as you go. God will make it quickly. Your immediate needs, they bring some speed. Church, we have many ways to help. God says, there'll be bread in my house. Immediately, I will take care of you. Number two, look at verse number 10. God gives you a guarantee of blessing. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I love this. God says, test me. It's the only place in scripture. God says, you can test me. Go ahead. God's daring you. He places the responsibility on himself, and he says, see that if you give your tithes and your offerings the way I've asked you to, See if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven. I need to stop right there for just a second. It blew me away in my office when I was studying this. Do you know, if God promised, if we were faithful in our giving, to open up a window in heaven, boy, he could bless us big, couldn't he? But do you see what God said he was going to do? He's going to open up all the windows. The windows of heaven. That's what mine says. And God says, you're not going to be able to handle it all. 
but I'll show you what to do with it. Try me, test me. God says, not only am I going to meet your immediate needs, I'm going to give you an ongoing flow of blessings that you will not be able to understand. That's how good I'm going to be to you. See, the tithe is good for you. It opens up the windows of heaven for ongoing blessing. The third thing, look at verse 11. It says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Do you know things break in life? I have this, uh, they're not newlyweds anymore. They've been married over two years, but I was talking to some members of my family who've been married for a little over two years, and they've had two or three things this week break. You ever been there? Every time you turn around, something breaks. They had a list of stuff that had broken. They had a list of stuff that's acting like it's going to broke. Yeah, sorry about that. We get it. We know. We've known Jeff long enough. But things break in life. Issues will arise. But I'll tell you this, in my life, God has always, always provided. Church, I can tell you and tell you and tell you how faithful God has been. But I speak to people, a lot of people, church members and non-church members, and the stuff in their life breaks on a routine basis, and they can't handle it, and they can't get out of the way of it. And it just keeps rolling them over and breaking and breaking and breaking. And they can't find a way to get their head up. And one of the things that I challenge them with is, do you tithe? Now, scriptural truth. God can teach us many things by letting things break in our life. So understand that this is not an absolute singular place that this topic can be brought up, okay? But I'll tell you this, God has said, that I will rebuke the devourer. Do you know that Satan wants to separate you from God? Satan knows God. He knows God's love. He knows God's blessings. He knows God's expectations, his requirements, and he hates God because of it. And the only way that he comes after God is he comes after God's people, and he says, you can't afford to do that. Look at all the stuff that's breaking. And God says, no, no, no. Not only when you faithfully give your tithe will I immediately take care of you, not only will I in an ongoing way take care of you, I'm going to rebuke the devourer, I'm going to step on Satan for your goal, and I'm going to help your life be more productive. Do you see what it said right there in verse 11? I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So God's going to step into your life so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit. God is going to make your life more productive in all that you do. Did you know, you probably did, that Moses' sandals never wore out? Don't tell me that God can't take care of stuff in our life. We had a dryer one time. The washer died. We had a dryer. And we wanted to get a matching set, but somebody in our house thinks you can't get rid of a good dryer. We almost prayed for that thing to die. 
but it just kept going and going and going and going and going. God can do that in your life. Now, I'm not preaching some kind of prosperity. What I'm preaching is the truth of, word, of God's word. That God can keep things from breaking in your life. They're his things. God says, if you faithfully tithe, I'll meet immediate needs. I'll give you ongoing blessings. I hope your life be more productive. And look at number four, verse 12. It said, nations will call you blessed. Do you know what scripture talks about right here? Look at verse 12. They will call you blessed and you will be a delightful land. Do you know what God's going to do? Not only is he gonna meet your immediate needs, not only is God going to give you a flow of ongoing blessings you can't control, not only is God um, going to rebuke the devourer and cause your life to be more productive, he's going to make you attractive to the world. The world will see God working and moving in your life. And God will draw them and they will go, man, there's something blessed in your life. What is it? God will draw people to you. As a church, as we tithe, God will draw people to us. And guess what we get to do? We get to teach them about this God who loves them dearly and sent his son, Jesus, to die for them. You see, you don't teach people who don't know Jesus about the tithe. You teach people who do know Jesus about the tithe so that those people can obediently serve God and God will bring other people into their lives that don't know Jesus that we can share with them. It's pretty simple in the church. Immediate blessing, ongoing blessing, productive and fruitful life, attractiveness to the world, all just because you tithe. You tithe fully, you tithe faithfully, you tithe regularly, you tithe accurately. Church, it's called stewardship. Stewardship is defined as the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Everything you have, God has trusted you by giving it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says this, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. When I think about a God who has blessed me with everything I have, and he requires me to give back just a tenth, do you know God could and be right in doing so request everything? He says, listen, this is a hard issue. If you'll just trust me in this and all these other commands we've been talking about, I'll take care of you. He expects us to be faithful and obedient. Now, I've already got pulled right here. If you're taking notes, write down Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. I want to read these for you. Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 21. Again, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' greatest teachings. And it says here, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Do you know that Scripture teaches us that me, you, every day we are storing up treasures? It's not a choice of whether you're storing up treasures. The choice is where are you putting them? Are you putting them in this world where they will eventually go away? Or are you putting them in your eternal account by faithfully coming before God? Because see, God has not promised to make you rich if you tithe. God has promised to bless you. And God's blessings come in many different ways And most of them, church, we do not know because we don't get them until we get to heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I started at the beginning telling you that I looked up synonyms for the word steal, of which we're not supposed to do in case I haven't mentioned that in a few minutes. I also looked up antonyms. Antonyms are words that are the opposite of steal. Let me just give you five of what I found. Antonyms for steal, the opposite of stealing, give. Wow. Let go. Give up. Receive. Isn't that interesting? Receive and release. That's what God is asking you to do. Not just with your money, but with your life. But he is asking you to do it with your money. Because until a man gives God his money, he's not giving God his everything. Now, I'm not saying that's the last thing that people give, but it, it's, it's close. But God says, that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to trust me. Let me give you one final quote from David Livingstone. It's a great quote. It says, I place no value on anything I have or may possess except in relation to the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the interest of the kingdom, it shall be given away or kept. Only as by giving or keeping it, I shall most promote the glory of him to whom I owe all my hopes in time and eternity. David Livingstone said, whatever I have, God, is yours because I am yours and I want what you have for me. Now today, in this room, there are people that faithfully tithe and give offerings, which is above the tithe. It's not an offering if you haven't at first tithed. Offerings are nice after you tithe. And there are many of you here that are faithful giving. Many of you on the phone, many of you online that are faithful tithe givers. And you could probably come right up here and testify to God's goodness and his faithfulness in keeping these promises. But I know that there are people in this room and on the phone and online who have not yet trusted God with this area of their life. And God says, try me, try me. Long time ago in this church, 
we had a pastor do a tithing challenge. And he said, listen, give a tithe, trust God, try it. And if after three months of you being an effective tither, if you don't see God's blessings, you come to us and we're gonna give it all back to you. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm sharing with you the truth of God's word. I know that God will be faithful. I'm encouraging you to be obedient. It'll open up your life in ways that you cannot right now imagine. But I will also walk with you. God gave me a 25-year financial career right before he gave me a call into the ministry. I can put a budget together. I can help people fix their lives financially. I'll walk with you. Just like I'm not gonna walk away, I'm gonna challenge you with murder week on let's fix relationships, on adultery week, I'm not turning away from you at whatever it is. On this week, I'm walking with you, church. This is a big deal. This is a hard hurdle for many people. God will be faithful. I'm asking you not to take a chance on me by giving a tithe that you could possibly get back. I'm asking you to faithfully obey God who has never, never let you Amen? All right. I went back and I looked. I keep a record, electronic and hard copy, of every lesson, every sermon for all these years. First time I preached on Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. I'm sorry, I didn't do it sooner. Because that's how important that scripture is for you to obey. 